WTF Sharp is live coding. My name is Stasha Korik. Today is November 19th, and I am joined by Gareth Hubble, who's going to be talking to us about this interesting subject. Uh, we're going to be going over everything from you know who Gareth is, how I stumbled upon him on Twitter, uh, what live stream coding is, and it's a pretty new topic to me. And I was actually pretty amazed by the popularity that it's getting in a, a few notable people, even locally here. Uh, what you know, how you can you actually talk and code at the same time? What are the different problems associated with that, and how you organize things better? And you know, software and hardware to set up to stream, etc. So we're going to be talking a lot about what this live coding is, what Gareth's experience has been, and maybe he can give you some tips on how to get started if you're there. Gareth, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Good. So yeah, I stumbled upon you on Twitter. I think uh, someone must have retweeted you. And, you know, I, I don't know much about this Twitch live coding thing, but I figured, you know, people watch video games on Twitch all the time. I know I used to watch Fortnite just incessantly until two in the morning watching Ninja and whoever else. So there must be some people that are watching this live coding thing. So I basically got curious. I checked it out. And uh, it lo- looks like you had a pretty interesting following there, like, like a pretty solid uh, day-to-day activity following. And I've heard of local people like Jeff Fritz doing that. Jeff Fritz is a... Uh, typically csharp.net dev uh, that lives in my area and i know he's been doing pretty cool on twitch so i thought i'd check you out um yeah so you can you give me a little bit about you know about yourself first of all and then you can kind of uh lean into what your f-sharp history is like and why you started this twitch so i'll just kind of let you have it for a bit (laughs) really i suppose i started with um well back as a kid started programming in basic visual basic came after that um, sort of grew up around the 90s and the early 2000s, went to uni, studied computer science. So I've, I've always had the background of programming, but then also had a, a bit of an amateur dramatics background, did some of that as well. So I've always been a little bit more out there than your stereotypical developer is. Hmm. Um also, sort of enjoy a bit of photography, playing the ukulele badly, because, you know, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. I have to mention it, just for the laugh. Um, so, yeah, my history's really with a lot of the Microsoft stack, um, very much with VB to start with, moved across to C Sharp after uni where I learnt Java, and then realised that I understood OO programming, I believed, but it never, I don't know, OO never gelled with me too much. So I discovered F-sharp. Originally, I was like, I don't want to type all these curly brackets. Those keys were getting a little bit worn on my keyboard. Discovered F-sharp and realized that the functional style of programming suited me. So while professionally I still use C-sharp, I do now uh, work somewhere where we where we use C-sharp in a more functional style. But I do want always like to go back to F-sharp. Mm-hmm. It, it feels more like home to me as a language I've only been learning for a few months than other languages have felt homely to me after years. So I think that's where I'm at with F-sharp. So do you use it? Like, uh, what's your day job? Are you typically .NET these days and you're doing some C-sharp? Or? Uh, day job is all .NET, all C-sharp. Um, the big part of what I'm doing at the moment is refactoring. I our CEO is a fantastic gentleman. Mm-hmm. He is not a technical guy at all, but he developed the the product from scratch himself, pretty much. Huh. Um, 
and it, it's in the proofreading area, so we've got to work with the English language, which means that you've got a million and one different rules to play with, mm-hmm. none of which are consistent. Uh, so he developed this, and then he's taken on a, f- a few developers, like myself, to kind of carry the development forward so that he can focus on the sales part of things. And part of our remit is, look, here's this code, it's C-sharp, it works, but it's not exactly what you'd call particularly pleasant to work with. So we're restructuring that, and in the process we've been following more functional design principles than object-oriented ones, but we still haven't got to the point where we're comfortable in the business moving to F-sharp because we're all professional C-sharp developers. So... I want to do my own project in F-sharp to demonstrate to me and sort of get out there in open source that, yes, F-sharp is production ready, probably more so than a lot of people think, and actually you can get things done really quickly. Sure. Cool. So tell me about this live streaming thing. How long have you been on Twitch, and uh, you know what inspired you to actually do this, this live coding thing, since it's, it's still pretty new, I think. Yeah, I think it is pretty new in the industry. Um, oddly enough, you mentioned in your introduction about Jeff Fritz being local to you. He's the first sort of streamer I saw do development on stream. Mm-hmm. And I really love the idea that um, he kind of encompassed there with that this is a mob programming thing. So, or to make the uh, usual joke, pair programming for large numbers of pair. <laughs> the idea that it's interactive. I could quite easily go onto YouTube and deliver a lecture on programming, but I don't know how useful that would be to people. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see people talk back. I, I need that feedback from people. So, I wanted to get started streaming. Um, not just because I'd seen Jeff Fritz do it and got, went, I want to do that, <laughs> but I was taking less and less time to do personal projects. I I got no accountability for myself, so I wanted to kind of have some accountability for personal projects. I wanted to learn F Sharp at the time. A couple of months ago, I knew enough F Sharp to know that I liked it. I didn't know enough to know how to use it properly. Right. So I wanted to sort of catalogue that learning and with with a few of the people that have come along to the stream I've learned a, a lot from a lot from the audience. So there's a lot of give and take there to me. Um and yeah, as you said you've you've heard about people streaming live streaming games, live streaming game playing. Well, I don't do a great deal of that. So I wanted to get out there with something like F sharp. Nice. Yeah, the best way to uh, to learn, in my experience, has been to pressure yourself. I remember when I did my first few talks, I basically signed myself up for something, and uh, and I didn't know the topic, and by the time I gave the talk, I had to know the material, so I can understand basically setting yourself up to give these, not lectures, but interactive sessions where you're t- uh, talking about F-sharp as a way to kind of force you to learn it. That's smart. And just digest it more that way. Cool. So how do you... I know you're doing a lot of like actual live coding. How do you do coding and typing at the same time? There's certain people in the F-sharp sharp world that seem to have this talent. Uh, I don't. As soon as I start typing, everything goes to hell. Me too. Um, that's a great source <laughs> of hilarity in the stream. Uh, to some degree, I think that helps me, though, because I can't type too much 
without talking to people so i've got to remember that i am on stream so i can only do a limited amount like a line or so at a time mm -hmm. and then talk about the line that i've just done or i can mm -hmm. look at I, i've got to break my code down into streamable chunks if you like so like what kind of things have you been talking about and how do you structure your sessions i know you said you don't do just lectures, you kind of more do interactive sessions. I know you're building some kind of projects. Is it mostly building these projects and talking through it, or is it other things as well? Yeah, uh, most of the sessions are building the project. Um, to start with, I made a kind of promise to myself that I've had to go back on for a few reasons. Um, I always sort of said that I was not going to touch this project anywhere at all off stream. <laughs> Uh, not the best idea in the world because it meant that I had to do a lot of the yak shaving on stream and a lot, a lot more of the looking up information than I wanted to on stream. But remember, you know, you, you know that when you're live streaming, you've got one chance. You mm -hmm. don't get to re-record aspects of your stream. You've got to do it there and then. But your audience also knows that. So if you get a good crowd in, which thank you to all my viewers and all of my friends in the chat, we are a very good crowd, I think. They will try and help you. There's no one there looking to laugh at me. Everyone seems to be there to to enjoy the content and to enjoy sort of learning and, and being with me on my journey. Yeah, I feel like once the channel gets really, really big, like a, you know Ninja or something like that, there you get the trolling at that point. But I think that's just like once anything gets big, people want to kill it. Um, but it's nice to hear that you guys have a, a nice community there that's that's kind of empowering you to to learn. Um, I know giving a talk sometimes you can get, like in, in person, you can get a very wide variety of vibes from the audience. Uh, everything from very supportive to like, I'm ready to fall asleep. And sometimes it's your fault and sometimes it's not. So I'm good, glad that you've had a positive experience there. Um, I've had very mixed in person. So I'm curious if I tried like live streaming. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, though. When, I, when I'm live in the room um, with people, I can gauge the kind of feeling of the room. I can understand, you know, if people are interested, I can kind of look at their faces and whatnot. Do you get that feedback at all? Or are you just kind of like in this um, space where you're just like, oh, I'm guessing I'm going to keep on trying and hope someone messages and uh, says I'm doing a good job or a bad job? Do you have any kind of uh, words or thought about you know, how to actually capture the audience's attention or even understand it. One of the things that I do find is that you get a lot more interactivity than you would imagine. Also, <laughs> I imagine, you know, at a conference or to talk, an audience member wouldn't just stand up and leave the talk necessarily if they were feeling a bit bored. Oh, so, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, okay, not... <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't. Um, then again, I've only ever been to one conference. I I can't get to conferences around here. Sure. Um, but there's more a feeling of on Twitch that's not sort of considered rude, or on your other streaming platforms that's not yeah. considered rude. People do just drop in and out, and that's great. This isn't a talk. I'm not giving a talk. I'm not trying to impart knowledge. I'm programming with my friend hmm. so you don't uh, that's a good mindset shift yeah. I like that so so what you're doing is you're in a room with like-minded people 
who want to either learn, want to teach, want to help. You're there with your friends. If they've got something else to do, that's cool. If they are watching on one screen, got your audio going, and they are doing their own work, I do that quite a lot with Jeff Fritz, with Hmm. Brendan, I can't remember how to pronounce his surname, so I won't, but Dev Chatter. It's just nice to feel, especially as someone that works from home, it's nice to feel that I'm not working alone. I'm working with other people. We're developing this together. I've even had pull requests on the project that is kind of the flagship within the um, within the stuff yeah. that I'm doing. Nice. So we're we're getting a community built up. I see more of a I see more of a sort of F sharp meetup on the web than a talk or a conference. It's a lot more personal, a lot more intimate. People feel a lot more happy to ask questions during the stream mm-hmm. because they come through over text. There's none of this. Mm. Um, there's there's none of this waiting for the speaker to ask for Q and A. People are happy to interrupt, and I'm more than happy for that because I will glance at chat and I will be able to go, okay, that's a cool point. That's something I hadn't thought of. And we can riff off that. So to go back to the structuring streams questions, most of the streams have no structure to them on purpose. This isn't me saying I don't want to structure them. This is me saying I don't see why a structure would help us. There's there's a few things I want to pull out of that. I recently went remote. I've been, you know, in-person job for most of my life. And just recently, maybe like two, three months ago, I went full-time remote. And there's certain certain challenges that go with that, especially the feeling of, I, don't, I wouldn't say loneliness, but of not working in the same room as someone and not having that kind of um, vibe of we're in this together or whatever. You mentioned that sometimes you'll be working, um, I assume remotely, and you're listening to, let's say, Jeff Fritz or Dev Chatter or whatnot, and they're kind of like in one of your screens. I, I assume that's kind of for that, you know, fulfilling whatever that is. Um, but I imagine that if I did that, I would be just so heavily distracted when I'm trying to listen to someone else think or talk. Like, I can't even listen to music with words when I'm working. I have to put on something instrumental or Icelandic where I just don't understand the language at all. Do you find that you can get work done uh, while... Uh, having that screen open, like I'm imagining I got two monitors in front of me and one of the screens is kind of uh, filled half with some kind of Twitch channel and I see some chatter going on. Do you find it distracts you or actually helps you to get work done? And uh, do you find that other people actually watch you while they're working and they make any comments about that? Um, Some people do watch me while they're working and they go into what they term as lurk mode, so they're not... Hmm. Uh, they're not sort of active in chat, but they want me to know that that they're there. I find I used to work on-prem in places where we did pair programming. So, unfortunately, due to some ill health, um, mental and physical health issues, I'm not able to go and commute to other places at the moment. I'm only able to work remotely. Mm-hmm. But I think having other people around me that are doing development that... I can jump in their chat and sort of have a chat occasionally when something's compiling, when some tests are running. And to just drag my mind away from my work for a second or two, at which point then I'll go, oh, I've worked out what my problem was. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're just kind of um, in that zone of, I'm trying to think how to put it, 
so typically, you know, if you're on-prem, you have kind of the, uh, what are they called? The, uh, not like lunchroom meetings, but uh, water cooler meetings or whatnot. We're just kind of getting that sense of community, maybe talking about your problem, maybe not, but just giving you a rest from whatever you're working on will help you digest the problem. I know uh, back when IRC was still a bigger thing and I was studying in school, I would jump on IRC for a few minutes, kind of let that that sense community distract me from the actual work on hand, and that would help me uh, process. So I'm guessing when you're watching other people stream as well, you're kind of doing it um, for little bits. You might have the screen up, but it's mostly muted or kind of just ignoring it for a bit. So that makes sense. Cool. So I really appreciate that. Any other thoughts on that before we go on the next things? Yeah. Oddly enough, you mentioned IRC. Uh, if we go hmm. on to when we go on to Twitch and the other platforms that are used for streaming, Twitch chat is based off IRC, so IRC is still a lot more in use than people realise it is. Mm-hmm. Um, back on the remote working, I think that for me having someone else's voice there, I don't like the sound of keyboard chatter, so hmm. I'm trying to get as little of that in my stream as I can. But the sound of other people developing, the sound of... I suppose the sound of them debugging is a big thing for me. And knowing that prominent people such as Jeff Fritz, such as Brendan from Dev Chatter, do still go and look at docs, it's a nice feeling that, hey, I'm not an idiot because I have to look at the docs. Right. It's, it's or I'm a, not an idiot because I've spent 30 minutes looking at this one line of JavaScript or something. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, and, and that's sort of something on how I stream. I When I export videos, I'm sure we'll go on, on to later, I don't cut mm. anything except for if something personally identifiable was revealed in the stream, as did happen once. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's nice to be able to... You have the live stream, but you also have the... Uh, editability of the the videos that's a good point uh i guess we can move on to that so platforms so i know uh for video games there's pretty much twitch and i know youtube has its like youtube.tv or whatever it's called like the live youtube um you know what what software services are in this space um and can you give me kind of an idea of like i don't know 80 percent is done on twitch versus 10 percent on youtube versus whatever um and kind of also talk through uh the youtube uh, bits and like how do you actually export to that and is there something that like you know i can basically go into my twitch account and do export to youtube or how does that whole flow work there i, I know i just asked a lot of questions so to summarize uh where is this done uh where is it done the most and how do i get stuff recorded uh, and put onto youtube okay let's um unwind the stack a bit then um yep. <laughs> to get stuff onto youtube using twitch which is the only platform that i use for live streaming you click export to YouTube. That's oh. the easy one. Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> if you want to download your stream, if you need to edit something out of it, that's absolutely fine. You can do that quite easily. They provide you a link to download. Then you use any of a number of um, pieces of software, video editing kit that you've got on your computer or that you may or may not have. Um, I use one, I think it's called Shotwell or something like that. I know I've basically just grabbed a free one that's open mm-hmm. source free and all the rest of it to do it with. You can also, to unwind a bit further, use I use a piece of software called OBS Studio. OBS mm. standing for Open Broadcast System, I think. Mm-hmm. 
that allows me to both stream to Twitch and to record locally. So okay. if you were going to stream at a lower bandwidth to try and get more people, to try and get your stream more accessible to people, then you could record at full quality for a YouTube upload. Hmm. So there's that option, but for a coding stream, I don't. I stream at a reasonably low bandwidth anyway, because I haven't got huge fast-moving stuff. And it's yeah. still at 1080p, so it's still high enough quality for a YouTube upload. Yeah. Then you mentioned about platforms. I'm not an expert on this. I <laughs> stream only on Twitch. As I'm now an affiliate with Twitch, which means that I can monetize my channel to some degree, hmm. they have a requirement that I use only Twitch to stream on and that my content oh. remain <laughs> Twitch exclusive for 24 hours. Uh, so you can only U- YouTube it after that point? Yes. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, I-, I would agree with that. They also take quite an amount <laughs> of any money that's that's sort of put into the channel. So it's... Sure. Really, I think the affiliate program's relatively new. It used to be just going from nothing to partner, but they are Mm. trying to make it easier for people to monetize their channels. Sure. And for these uh, different levels, so there's like, you know, normal Joe like me, and then there's affiliate, and then there's partner. Are there like subscriber requirements to obtain those things? Or, you know, viewers per day or something like that? Or what metrics do they use to... That, or is it like kind of case by case? Um, to get to affiliate, there are defined metrics. I think you need to average about three viewers throughout your whole streams. You need to stream within the last 14 days or within the last 30 days on seven unique days, I think, hmm. and get a few hours of streaming done. So it really is just a, are you committed to this, is the question right. they're asking. Are you actually going to do this? Are you worth the time and effort that we're going to put into allowing you to have an emote, setting your subscriptions up? Because until you're an affiliate, you can't have any subscribers. Everything is completely free. Hmm. Uh, Once you hit affiliate, people are allowed to subscribe to your channel. You're allowed to give them an emote Uh at each subscriber level to use. And you then get sub badges so you get to show off who your subscribers are with a little badge next to their name and you can design those badges Hmm. so i'm entirely unfamiliar with uh twitch culture i know when i watched ninja and cypher pk for fortnite stuff it's pretty much my only twitch exposure that they I don't know. There's like different kinds of subscriptions and some of them are paid. Some of them are like some kind of Amazon prime thing. I've, I have no idea how subscriptions work and what the deal is with like these tiered emotes or whatever. I kind of get, it's like a thanks for subscribing thing. Um, it's kind of a tangent, but could you go into like the Twitch culture for a minute? I just, I don't know that world at all. I'm curious. I don't watch any of the really big streamers. So I don't watch people like Ninja or I don't Mm -hmm. know who else you mentioned. Yeah. I only really watch some of the smaller gaming streamers and the programming streams. Mm-hmm. So the Twitch culture, as I understand it, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free subscription to a Twitch channel per month that you have mm. to manually renew. So you give that to a channel of your choice. 
that gives you one tier one subscription as they call it which is $4.99 at the time of this recording Okay. that gives you access to the tier one emotes and flags and then you the, as, sorry sure and, and the streamer gets like some cut of that $4.99 or something yes Okay. Um, I don't know how much the financials yeah. I can really go into without breaking any terms and conditions. No, that's okay. I do some percent. That, yeah, <laughs> you, as an affiliate, it's a fixed percentage. As a partner, you can start negotiating up. Gotcha. That I can say publicly, I'm sure. Um, but then you get access as a consumer to those emotes at tier one. You get access to any subscriber-only modes that the streamer may put in place and then the the next subscriptions are tier 2 and tier 3 which are 9.99 and 24.99 a month this is all in US dollars mm-hmm. uh, just in case my accent confused anyone there <laughs> twitch works in dollars at those levels you get access to more emotes so the streamer can upload emotes for only tier 2 or for only tier 3 subscribers and you can use those emotes in any channel that you want. So a good hmm. little tactic from a streamer's point of view is to upload emotes that are usable Twitch-wide with the idea that someone in a channel is going to ask, where did you get that emote from? I need to subscribe oh. to that channel just for that emote. Oh, that's neat. That's a neat, uh, I don't know how to describe that, kind of marketing campaign-y thing. I never got the whole... Uh, buying emotes or anything like that like people buy emotes in video games like tf2 i remember people used to buy hats or something um but yeah teach their own <laughs> anyway so when you're uh streaming to twitch uh what like hardware and software are you using to actually get the content up there i know you mentioned obs and i forget the other software you said that started with a c um what hardware software do you use for that so software is just obs studio mm-hmm um, you can use, you can get Twitch bots. So I use Nightbot at the moment. Now, if you're a developer, you will be very tempted to build your own Twitch bot, and all others <laughs> are. And the first project that most developers will do on Twitch is build their own Twitch bot. Uh, they I have ha- a good API. <laughs> they have a fantastic API. Um, there are some wonderful layers to it for .NET as well. And don't forget, it's based on IRC, so. Anything that works with IRC will work with Twitch, just oh, by really? definition. Oh, really? The actual chat protocol is yes. IRC? Yes. Really? I can, oh, I have some old IRC bots. That'd be cool. <laughs> I can connect HexChat, which is my IRC client of choice, to Twitch. Huh. Um, they do have another API, which is a layer over IRC, but if you've got old IRC stuff that you want to play with with Twitch, yep, your Twitch chat rooms are IRC rooms. So... That's that's most people's first project, so I didn't go down that route. Um, I use something called Snaz S N A Z for putting up because I Wait, like to Snaz S A A like Snaz software as a service or something. Snaz Sierra November Alpha Zulu. <laughs> that works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell I've done mo- uh, work in the motor industry for that one. Yeah. <laughs> that. Combined with OBS means that I can put up countdowns on stream, so I can put a countdown for when I'm about to start streaming. Oh. So I can, instead of saying starting soon and trying to let the viewers come into chat, I can say starting in five minutes. Mm-hmm. 
which also puts pressure on me to remind me to be ready in five minutes. <laughs> but then hopefully someone won't come into chat two minutes before I start and immediately leave. They'll go, oh, well, okay, he's about to start in two minutes. That works. Yeah. On the hardware side, I am... I, I, I've gone budget mode. Yep. Um, I've got my normal desktop computer, which, yes, is pretty powerful. I'll go with that. I only built this one a month or so ago. But the previous okay. one that I was using worked fine, and that was from 2011. So specs aren't that high. Uh, well, spec requirements aren't stupidly high. And remember, if I'm doing mobile development, that means I've got OBS running and encoding. I've got... Visual Studio running, I've got probably an Android emulator running. Mm -hmm. So I am putting some strain on a machine. Yeah. There's there's no two ways about that. And you'll see my earlier streams, a few of them will have blue screens. Hmm. Hence why I built the <laughs> hence why I built the new machine. You don't actually see the blue screen on the stream, do you? No, you just see that it okay. cuts out. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like I, I'm trying to remember trying to think how that would uh, stream there. <laughs> anyway. Um if I were using nice. a two-computer setup, it would. Oh, right, because you could have like the yeah. actual HDMI or whatever output yes. do that. I don't. I stream on one computer. Now that I've got a spare one, I will probably play about with that. But really, to get started, one computer of decent spec. The correct number of monitors to have is more. Mm -hmm. uh, I always stream off one monitor I've got a second monitor with some stream information on it so things like OBS to make sure that I can see follow alerts I've got mm. my uh, my chat on a screen I've got a scene switcher on my tablet which will go into what sw scene switcher I use later because that becomes interesting and I've probably got a version of chat up on my phone so the correct number of screens is always more <laughs> Nice. Apart from that, hardware, I've got a desk lamp that's sort of pointing <laughs> straight at me. I've got an old Microsoft HD webcam. Oh, yeah, because you do video too, I forgot. Yeah. Because I, I like to be on stream. And I've literally got this headset, which is an old Turtle Beach P11, I think. <laughs> as long as you've got a microphone that's reasonable, it doesn't matter that much i would try and advise against using an inbuilt one in in a laptop or something but you yeah. know some form of headset i've seen people use you know in-ear earbuds that came with their phone for it hmm. the, the barrier to entry is very very low so if people yeah. are trying to use that as an excuse not to stream sorry you need to find a new one <laughs> So you got the software and you got the hardware. How do you actually structure one of these sessions? Um, later, I'll ask the question of how you can get started overall. Like, how do I sign up for Twitch and whatnot? But per session, do you just kind of sit down for a bit and record some notes of what you want to talk about for the day? Or do you have something more than, more than a, let's say, a three by five card? I actually have quite a lot less than the uh, 3x5 card that you mentioned <laughs> I genuinely do not structure anything on paper for a session mm. well I guess I should ask first how long are your sessions on average because uh, that would determine how much prep you need to do if, if you were neurotic like me <laughs> <laughs> on average I try and stream for around 3 hours that doesn't mean there haven't been, a, mm. been streams that have been 2 hours long which was my original aim 
and there may or may not have been a stream somewhere that was approaching seven hours after a full day of work. That was tough. <laughs> but it worked. Um, to answer about prep, I don't prep anything for the for the Xamarin form streams that I do with F Sharp. Oh, right. So you do two kinds of streams, right? You do the beginner and the advanced? I used to do two kinds. I've just wound up my first series of the beginner streams, and I'll have another go at those another time and okay. do those in a different way. I think I planned too little for those, in fairness. Mm. Uh, shouldn't have tried to jump into what I tried to jump into. <laughs> it did seem to work for a lot of people, but the beginner streams, I want to get people who don't know any programming at all into F-Sharp, because I think F-Sharp is a, a wonderful, wonderful beginner's language, and my partner will kind of attest to that, as she is an incredibly smart lady, but mm -hmm. not a programmer at all. She started trying to learn other languages and then when I started showing her a bit of F-sharp, it made a lot more logical sense to her. Oh, uh, nice. So you're uh, teaching your significant other F-sharp as a first programming language right now? Yes. That... Oh, that could be that could be a whole podcast <laughs> right there. <laughs> well, oddly enough, that is the birth of the beginner's stream, because she always wanted to support me with the streaming. Mm -hmm. So she was... She's my chat mod, because I want to make sure that I've got someone there who can kind of ward off trolls with me mm. and she didn't understand what i was doing in the more advanced streams so she suggested to me why not do something for beginners my first immediate reaction was well there's got to be some way you can learn f sharp because i'm not a good teacher i will never mm -hmm. ever claim to be that there's got to be some way you can learn f sharp and everywhere assumed or everywhere that we found assumed mm -hmm. some C-sharp knowledge or some knowledge of other things or assumed that you knew how to set Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code up. Yeah. And to someone who's never done any programming before, while Visual Studio is a wonderful tool for those of us that know our way around it, it's big and intimidating. Yeah. My big mistake on the beginner streams, I think, was using Visual Studio Code and trying to get people to set that up. What I will do in the future is to start with use a online REPL. Use the Fable okay. REPL, something like that, and go, yes. this is an environment for you to play with F-Sharp in. So that's where I went with the beginner streams. That's how that came about, and that was the thought process around preparation for that. So at that point, I think preparation's important there. Preparation for the Xamarin Forms streams, the more advanced ones that I do, I think mm -hmm. is very unimportant. I think the project kind of gives you the preparation itself. So you know what you want to work on next. You know that the next feature you want to implement is X, Y, or Z. You know that you're leaving it with a bug. If you can leave each stream with a bit of a cliffhanger and say, we'll fix this next stream, you've already got your prep done. So that's a big part of it. Also, if you've got a few people in chat, you are going to get distracted. So even if you do some prep, don't expect to follow it. The most mm. I do prep-wise is more about making sure that I post in the Discord channel that the stream is happening, post on Twitter that the stream's happening, remembering to stick to a schedule. I've actually now had to get 
my head together and write a website. It's still very, very small and basic, hmm. but there is there are now two blog posts on it. <laughs> nice. um, I've even had someone in my chat say, the F-Sharp Advent Calendar has got a blank space on it. So I ended up saying, well, I'll, I'll take that space for the F-Sharp Advent Calendar. That's forced me to make a blog. Because until yeah, then, nice. Yeah, because until then, <laughs> I didn't... I wasn't that bothered about a website. So what... I know you mentioned that uh, you saw Jeff Fritz one day uh, doing live streaming. Is there anything else that inspired you to start your live streaming? Yeah, um, there was Jeff Fritz doing some streaming, so I saw that it was possible. There was the idea of having a schedule. I'd got to the point where my personal projects were being put to one side, and I wasn't practicing mm -hmm. my craft. So I was saying all these good things about F-sharp, but I wasn't actually doing any. So that's something that made me think, well, I need to do some streaming. I wanted to put some F-sharp code into production. So if you remember when I said that I used a scene switcher and left that one hanging, yes. the project that we're doing on stream is called Twitch Deck. Okay. At the moment, it just hooks into OBS Studio through the WebSocket interface and is a street a scene switcher. When I put my okay. teeth in, that will help. Yeah. So It reminds me of, uh, what's that, TweetDeck or something, like a Twitter application? It, remind, it reminded me of TweetDeck as well. But okay, yeah. It's, it, it might be a bit too close for comfort. They might want it renamed. Sure. I think the other one it reminds me of and why I went for Twitch Deck is the Stream Deck, which was a 15-button interface that I know Jeff Fritz uses, and mm. it has screens under the buttons, looks really, really cool, and I thought, I'll have one of those for my stream. Then I saw the price of one and thought, I've got a spare Android tablet kicking around, <laughs> and I don't have a project to stream yet. Oh. Well, that kind of answered both of those questions at once. Nice. So you get to play with Xamarin and make a tool for yourself at the same time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> nice. I don't believe in streaming things that I'm not going to use. So after only a couple of weeks, we got this to the point where I could use it as a stream switcher. So that project is now actually in use. There's a lot more to be done with it. There are things like sound effects. I would love to have sound effects on my stream. Things like, you know, the sound of Sonic picking up a ring as a, a good idea thing for people. Hmm. So if people come up with a good idea, I can reward them with the silly childish things. But, hey, we're on stream. We can do silly childish things. <laughs> so you mentioned that your main kind of inspiration or your main reason for doing this was kind of to learn more and, you know, have that sense of community of where you're talking to your friends while you're coding. Some people make money off of Twitch. Is there any actual hope of that in this software development world, or is that kind of like a far-out future thing? For me, it's potentially a very far-out future thing. It's not something I'm thinking about. I know that there are ways of supporting streamers financially with both subscriptions and what Twitch calls bits. I don't know the exact price of them to buy because I don't buy them often, but I know that to a streamer a bit is a US cent. Okay. And you can cheer them on. You can send cheers to streamers. Oh, uh, you mean like you, you pay so many bits and then it like it comes up on the screen and it says like so-and-so donated 
20 bits or something like that. Yeah, so-and-so cheered okay. so many bits, I think, is the term you usually use. Oh, they Again, you okay. have to set that up. So I use something called stream elements to set up follow alerts and bit alerts. Oh. And subscription. So is that interface with OBS? So I'm imagining like, there's some kind of API that Twitch has that'll expose when people subscribe. Then you have a software that picks up those events and somehow displays it on the screen. Does that... First off, is that what happens? And if second of all, like, is that something that goes into OBS or is that like at the Twitch level or something? That is exactly what happens. Twitch has an API which is incredibly feature rich. And how it gets into OBS is really weird and seems janky at first. <laughs> OBS. That's all software, right? <laughs> oh, it's Any all software, software. integrations. Yeah. <laughs> and how to integrate stream overlays into OBS is OBS has a browser component, so it just comes up with a website with the background of a color of your choosing. You tell OBS, by the way, that color, chroma key it out, and OBS just fires up browser windows, essentially, inside itself. Wait, hold up. All right, I'm going to try to take that apart and explain OBS to the listeners a little bit. So I've played with OBS a little bit for um, for streaming. Uh, a few years ago, my friend of mine was doing a marathon of solving Rubik's Cubes, and he wanted it streamed from multiple angles. Anyway, I had to go learn the software. And so from a basic point of view, what you have is you have a little software where you have multiple layers and objects you can kind of you know make visible and invisible, like if you've ever been in uh, Photoshop or anything like that. So what you're telling me is that OBS has a thing where you can make like the very base layer a browser and you set like the background for that and then the overlays kind of happen at that browser level and then you have your normal video on top of that? Or where did I mess up in that explanation? So to go over OBS briefly, you've got something called scenes and you've got something called sources. Scenes are what you switch between. So I can have a programming scene that shows my ID and my mm. video in the bottom corner. I can have a starting soon scene that just shows a picture with some text on it. And then the sources are each of those Photoshop layers is a good way of putting it. And one of those layers can be browser. Mm. What the browser layer does is you give it a URL to point to. You give it the width and the height, you tell it how many frames per second you want to come out of that, hmm. and then you give it its background colour. And from that, you can place that browser anywhere on your screen, well, on the OBS screen, and it will show on your stream, so you can move it about on the previous window. So it doesn't natively go onto your... Yeah. Doesn't. No, I get that, yeah. yeah. It, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, I don't want to get off too much on an OBS tangent, but uh, it seems like you could kind of get lost in that world for a little bit. Um, w without risk of making this go off too much of a tangent, can you give like a resource as to where I'd actually learn to use OBS? Offhand, I think what I did was downloaded it, played with it, and looked at... In fact, Twitch has a good guide. Hmm. Yeah, Twitch will teach you everything. The onboarding process for Twitch, uh, I don't know about other streaming services, but the onboarding for Twitch is wonderful. They really do hold your hand through everything that they can. They have good recommendations for plugins to use. Mm -hmm. 
they are really, really handy. There's also another piece of software called Streamlabs OBS, which is a fork of OBS that Streamlabs built. Hmm. Well, built on top of. And that has all of this kind of thing built in. It's really easy to just plug in and play. So, really, there's no no friction at all to starting with Twitch. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the money that software developers can get from Twitch uh, when they're live coding, but probably going to be far out until it's anything that's going to sustain you. Uh, I'm curious, you know, since there's not necessarily money involved, people are doing this on a volunteer basis, do you see that this is a fairly large population? Are there other developers you can see or you can point out that are doing this? Uh, and if so, are any of those people doing F-sharp? Are you kind of on your own here? I do see quite an amount of software development done on Twitch. I know that we've mentioned Jeff Fritz, we've mentioned Dev Chatter. There are quite a number of other software development streams out there. If you use the software development tag, you will see that there can be anything from 10 to maybe 50 streams going on at a time. Which for Twitch is a very, very, very tiny proportion. But it's building up. There are more coming along day by day. I have yet to find another person who streams F-Sharp exclusively. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I will continue streaming F-Sharp exclusively. I do have plans to possibly stream some different languages occasionally to do one-offs or to do deep dives mm-hmm. into certain parts of F-Sharp. There will be a bit of a mix-up there. I think I'm going to try and stay with F-Sharp as much as I can, though, because I'm getting a lovely community up there. I do know that Jeff Fritz did an F-Sharp Fridays project at one point. I think he's going back to that as well. I know that Dev Chat is on about doing some F-Sharp, and if either of those are listening and want a little bit of collaboration with a streamer with next-to-no viewers, do let me know. <laughs> <laughs> now, they, they get far more than I do, and for, for very good really? reason. How many do they get? Um, Jeff Fritz, I think, can top... I think both of them can top about 50 at a time, and they've both been very, very generous mm. and sent people to my stream as well. So I would like to shout yes. them out. You know. Yeah, I saw Jeff yesterday. He's a good guy. Yeah, I live kind of across the pond from Jeff. <laughs> so my interactions with Jeff have been occasionally on Twitter, occasionally yeah. in his stream, and I've seen him in mine once or twice, I think. Yeah. Um, I would love to chat to other development streamers. I think it would be a lovely yeah. community to get us all together at some point and to try and make sure that we don't have schedules that clash with each other because the last thing I want to do is, especially when there's so few of us doing development, so few of us doing .NET development, I'd love for us all to work together and try and find a schedule where we're all on at different times mm-hmm. as much as possible. I th- mm, that's a good point. Just uh, give a listener ability to kind of have this ongoing if they want, kind of like a TV program that they can uh, expect content at like a scheduled interval or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I do mm. that myself anyway, but I'd like to remember what everyone else's schedules are so that I can schedule around mm-hmm. them. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious if there's like a website like, I don't know, schedules.dev or some kind of you know fancy host name like that where i could potentially see um 
you remember the old TV guides? Yeah. I could see at one point, like if there's a number of these in a community or some kind of organization, that they could have this little site I can go to and I say, oh, at 2.30 on Wednesday, so-and-so is streaming. So I could do that. Um, but maybe that's thinking too big for uh, things at this point. There is a Reddit subforum and a website called Watch People Code. Oh, okay. So, there's always a subreddit. Yeah, there's always a subreddit. That one, I don't know how active it is. I've stopped posting on there because I was getting no views from it. They don't really integrate too well with Twitch, and there's no real schedule on there, but you get to see upcoming streams, so it's more of a as-needed thing. Mm-hmm. I think you've just given me an idea for another stream project. I think I need to learn a safe <laughs> stack and build that. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, that's it. Now, any time that anyone gives me ideas and says, what what about if this were to exist? I'm, I'm getting to building it, partly because I want to put off building the bot. I know at some point I'm falling into that trap and building the Twitch bot. Yeah, just do a marathon of it. Do it get it done and over with. <laughs> no, I don't think marathon streams are my thing. Actually, <laughs> over Christmas... Do people do that? Uh, oh, yeah, I saw Jeff did a marathon thing. Jeff did a full-day workshop on Friday, hmm. which I was in as much as I could be. I mean, don't forget that some people do stream partly for their job. I believe Jeff and... Please correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe Jeff is community outreach for Microsoft. So to some degree, I know he runs the Visual Studio channel, which has hosted me at one point. And I think Mm -hmm. that is aiming to become what we've just discussed. Somewhere where people who who use anything .NET or Visual Studio related can quite easily go and there'll usually be content there for them. So one reason I know I do a lot of the talks, and frankly, this podcast is not only for the selfless reasons of kind of educating others, but also for selfish reasons. For example, I probably wouldn't have gotten my job right now, or I do some F-sharp, if it hadn't been for incessant tweeting and, and all that kind of stuff uh, related to F-sharp and kind of doing that uh, education, but with the, with the knowledge of it helping me. Can you speak to that at all? Yes, of course. Um, I've always wanted some form of portfolio as I said, I do work professionally in C-sharp at the moment, and I would like at some point to work professionally in F-sharp. I know that my current employment is going to end at some point, as much as I enjoy the job, and I'd like to be able to branch out. So, mm. yeah, I absolutely think that that is a big motivator. And also to try and convince other companies to move to F-sharp, to try and get more F-sharp jobs mm. out there. So it's to educate companies as much as to educate developers as much as yeah i need a decent portfolio and i think that streaming for me is a better portfolio source than just having something on github yeah so we've gone over a lot of stuff specifically what this live coding streaming is what software you use what hardware you use uh what content you streamed how you think through it all kinds of stuff i really appreciate that i can imagine that some people might be interested and exploring this world both from a consumer point of view and also from a producer point of view. I'll link uh, various things in the show notes, including your channel, uh, Jeff's channel, Dev Chatter, since you mentioned that, OBS, your Twitch deck uh, project that you uh, are building. Is there anything else that you'd like to point consumers to when they're trying to look into watching these streams, maybe some kind of central directory besides the one you just mentioned? And also, are there any tips you can give on how a listener can get started besides just making sure they get that 
base level hardware and going to Twitch just to uh, learn the things. Are there any additional uh, hints you can give? Yeah, I think to get started, the biggest tips I can ever give, don't worry about view account. That will hmm. grow as you grow as a streamer. To start with, not having a huge amount of viewers is neither here nor there. If you can get an average of three at some point soon, then you can get to affiliate level with Twitch. So it's not a huge bar to go to. Tips for getting up there, I'm going to sound like everyone else here, but I found it to be the case. Be consistent. If you're going to stream two or three times a week, ideally try for three times a week. If, if your schedule allows it, but try and be consistent with your dates and times. Make sure that people know that you're on. So go on somewhere like mm. Twitter. Go on that subreddit. Get yourself a Discord server set up. Again, that's free. You use Discord to do it. And it's kind of an expectation that Twitch streamers will have Discord. Make sure mm. your moderation settings are reasonable. So if you're going to set Twitch's auto mod feature to mod out most things that it thinks are a bit dodgy be prepared to allow things through try not to be too restrictive i know a lot of developers have got their streams for mature audiences only that's personal preference as to whether you want to be able to use let's say industry language in your streams or not <laughs> i've i've tried not to and i don't have mine set to that setting just because I want to welcome everybody in as a friend. Mm -hmm. And really, you'll hear me mention viewers as friends rather than viewers. That's something I picked up from Jeff Fritz. I think Brendan does it as well. I originally thought that was a bit of a misnomer. I thought, yeah, that's a cute way of doing things. I think as you, as you do stream more, you discover that actually you do gain friendships with your viewers. And that mm. you are talking to your friends. Big thing, even if you're streaming and you don't have any viewers at all, talk. Never, mm. ever allow dead air on your stream. Yeah, many bands have played very uh, empty shows to empty rooms and uh, famous venues. So I definitely get where you're coming from there. Yeah, I mean, don't forget as well. If you're practicing talking to yourself with no one there watching, then when people are there, you've you've gained the skill a bit. <laughs> but yeah. it's always good to do. It's, I mean, what I've done is I've done the traditional trick. I have a rubber duck on my desk, and I just do hmm. permanent rubber duck debugging. Nice. But yeah, always be talking, always be engaging. Don't even look at your view account necessarily. If you've got zero viewers in your chat, it doesn't matter. If you've got no one chatting with you, it doesn't matter. You're trying to bring friends in. And everyone there, especially at a small level, everyone's there to support you. Don't worry about trolls. Only when you get larger. I mean, I've had one or two trolls in chat already. Hmm. But you build up at first a small community of people who are friends who are there and being supportive normally by the time I get to winding a troll back up or when I get to the point where I want to get rid of a troll my chat have already you know my community my friends have already sort of mentioned to the troll that it's probably not the cleverest idea to troll in that stream <laughs> because they've got my back so it really feels like you've got people with your back just go for it Cool. Well, I really appreciate you chatting with me. I'm sure I'll have a lot of show notes here. I uh, hope you have a good one. Any final thoughts? 
Just that really anyone that's thinking of giving streaming a go, please do so. Don't sort of worry about quality of cameras. Don't worry about quality of microphones. If you haven't got a camera, don't worry about it. Just stream with what you've got. Try and engage with your audience. And every streamer that I've interacted with, people like Jeff Fritz, people like Brendan, are always there to offer help and guidance. And I will try and do the same where I can. It's a great, great community to be a part of. And if you can send pull requests into projects, just anything you can give back to the community, anything the community can give to you, it's just a wonderful, wonderful group of friends. Great. Thank you. Until next time. Yeah.